Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. I'm excited to welcome Sarah Molino to the show today. Uh, she was actually an All-American golfer, a first-team All-American golfer at Concordia University, and that's when I first met her as a freshman. And now we're all grown up, and we spend a lot of our lives together, including travel and um, helping raise each other's families, pretty much. But after leaving the golf world, she went into the world of education, is a special education teacher, is a coach. Uh, she's also married to a teacher and a, a high-level official. He's a Division One lacrosse official and has two adorable little girls. And even though I've known Sarah for so long, one of the main things that came up uh, through this year is her battle with anxiety. And she actually hit it so well that I wasn't even really aware of it until she brought it to attention years and years later after our friendship first developed. So that is going to be the topic uh, of choice today. And so much of anxiety goes unaddressed, especially in the sports world. And it's probably the number one issue that athletes struggle with. So Sarah, I'm so excited to talk to you and hear your perspective. Um, and so you can share it with our guests today. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun topic to talk about since so many of us do uh, hide it so well. <laughs> so what initially led to your anxiety? Perfectionism. I think that especially in an individual sport, um, golf is always that strive to be perfect, strive to make par or better every single time. And so that was the main drive behind that. So how does perfectionism become such a main focus for athletes? I know, I mean, it's probably more common than not to have an athlete focus on being absolutely perfect at their, whatever their craft is. Yeah, I think it's just a natural thing that we want to get better and it's a natural progression that we want to start at that fundamental level and then get better and get better and better every single time. And so it's just a natural thing that happens, but then there's the environment that is around us that uh, triggers that. And um, we solely focus on, we become like uh, pinpointing that perfectionism all of the time because of all the atmosphere and stuff around us. So yeah, talking about environment, what are some of the components of an environment that can kind of force that need or desire for perfectionism on a student athlete coaches and teammates parents um and just and those those aren't things that are bad it's just that that comes with the environment of being um an athlete regardless you're always you can't take those factors away it's just learning how to deal with the balance of having all three mm -hmm. and um striving to have to be you know a people pleaser especially and i feel like that's where I, my category kind of fell in is that i um I just want to please people all the time. And I think that's where with my, in my athletics, I found myself just striving for that perfectionism all the time. And that's the thing that does come into play. There, there's so many levels between parents' expectations for performance, uh, what your teammates are expecting, what coaches expect. And even in high level sports, it's what uh, universities or even organizations expect. So you see these high level athletes that contracts are on the line, scholarships are on the line. Um, and that is a, a, an obscene amount of pressure, but I also spent a lot of time at the little league fields and I watched these 10 year olds get yelled at by their parents and 10 year olds should just be able to enjoy the game. And that joy has gotten lost on the expectations that they're going to be the best kid or make the all-star team instead of let's have the best experience we possibly can have. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can get drowned, you know, by the parents on the sidelines and not necessarily even purposefully. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents have always been the, the best supporters and the best cheerleaders. And, you know, if you want to do this, then that's great. If you don't want to, then that's fine too. Well, if you want to be a three sport athlete, okay, how do we make that happen? So then it was just something naturally for me that I wanted to be the best in all that I could be no matter what. And that's where that struggle comes in. And one of the things I also wonder if that comes into that perfectionism is so much of an athlete's identity is focused on performance. Mm -hmm. So if that's not at its highest level, what does that say about us? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in when I took it from going from just, just playing high school golf, just playing, or just playing around with my dad and just playing nine holes, like chip and putt, and then going up to playing high school and then playing, um, Onto, you know, in college and then playing and trying to play after college as well is that that you just become more and more focused on that one thing and that's just trying to be the best that you can be and be perfect and then everything else is just be kind of like your lens is only on that and that's where you can get lost so when did you realize okay something's wrong something's off something's controlling me and that was anxiety. When did you realize that that was an issue? Um, postpartum with um, my oldest. And it was actually a little bit then that I realized and became a little bit more aware of what my body was. And also, you know, we talk about identity and kind of going back to that, trying to figure out, narrow where exactly that um, my balance was off was trying to go from a student athlete and that's the only thing I ever knew and then purposely kind of put myself in education so that I could still be on that nine month schedule, have the summers off, work at the golf course. And then um, luckily my passion has fallen into that and that's been great. But then also then becoming a mom, but then you take that student athlete away. So having that identity kind of crisis and not knowing where um, your boundaries are and where that balance continues. And so it was really actually postpartum with my second that I had some extreme panic attacks and um, just some really, really hard, hard times. And I just went, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not me. This is not supposed to be happening. So what do I need to do to take care of this? And the thing is like, we as athletes don't talk about it and especially postpartum. I mean, that's a whole different subject on itself, but combining both of them, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about um, our weaknesses, but it's also just becoming self-aware of like, okay, this is an out-of-body experience. So how do we check back in and get into our space? When your golf career ended rather abruptly because of a family emergency, you, you know, you were still chasing, you know, the, the, the pros and there was a family emergency and that abruptly ended. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, my sister-in-law had a brain aneurysm and, uh, fast forward, luckily she survived and, um, has, you know, had some side effects and obviously from having a brain aneurysm where you are not supposed to survive. I mean, that 2% is what survives. And, um, so the fact that, uh, she's been able to be a big part of my girl's life is fantastic. But, you know, when you're on the fence and like, we were like, are we going to move to Arizona and really pursue this? And, pick up our whole entire lives and go down there and put two feet in. And maybe there was a reason why I was on the fence and um, doing everything I could, you know, 
working at a country club. So I had access to play for free and doing all the things and everything lined up. And then all of a sudden it's just like crash, this happens. And at that point, you know, we had um, been married for quite a few years already, even super young. And our life just kind of went, whoa, hold on a second. What are really our priorities here? And that's when we said, all right, this is, and then Ruby was born a year and a half later. And that's when our priorities definitely changed as a family. So you've also talked about when you look back at, at your collegiate days, that there were probably signs of anxiety going on, but you didn't identify them as that, or there were struggles in college that you say, we don't, as athletes, we don't identify them. And even if we do, we don't say anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. I can remember actually specifically like junior year of high school um, that I had a panic attack during a math test and it, I would be totally fine. And then all of a sudden when I had to go to perform, even as simple as a math test, I've prepared for it. I've done all this. I just couldn't breathe. My chest got tight and I just thought it was the class was in the morning. I've never been a morning person. And and so there was just like slow kind of subtle things that happened like that. And I mean, I hid it from my parents as well. I mean, not even purposefully. I didn't even feel like that. I was like hiding something. It was just, I was dealing with it the way that I only knew how to deal with it, do that. And that wasn't even dealing with it. I mean, it was just. So now when you see other people that struggle with anxiety, what are, uh, what are ways people do hide it? How, how can you go under the radar with something that's so significant in your life? Um, there's quite a few different things. I mean, over planning, um, focusing on something that you maybe necessarily it's over focusing and anger. And, um, those are the big things that you don't really think that like someone, and that was for me, it's like, I got a, t- a huge temper and I'm that I knew that wasn't me. So when I, um, was throwing golf clubs and banging them against the ground and, I mean, that was, again, my anxiety, that was the, the side effect of the anxiety was that. And I remember having um, a conversation with Lindsay Ajo and she was just like, you got to get it together. I mean, she was like nose to nose with me and was like, this is not you. You got to pull this together. And it was like, whoa, 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 you're right. And so I really had to work first on my anger. And that was, which I thought was more just an anger problem, not an anxiety problem. Now, looking back, I was like, that was was huge. Well, that's one thing I think people miss a lot. Um, when I, when I'm dealing with clients, they think they can hold it together forever. And I always say, it's going to show up. It's going to show up usually in anger. It's going to, or it could show up physically in their bodies. It's going to show up in, um, you know, sleep disturbances, all these things that can happen, but we all think that we have this great self-control. And so that's why it's interesting when little kids now say, well, so-and-so has an anger issue. I'm like, no, they probably don't have an anger issue. They probably are suffering from significant anxiety from something that's going on in their life and they don't know how to express it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where it usually shows up. And that's one of the things I would say to athletes, like you do have to get this under control because if you blow out on ESPN or you blow out when somebody's watching you um, and you're trying to get recruited, or even if you're during tryouts that could blow everything apart. And so getting a hold of that anxiety to manage anger is super crucial. And I think that is one thing that athletes really struggle with. They just think it's an anger thing and really it's an anxiety thing. Right. And that's where that came back postpartum was I had got it kind of under control, especially that kind of uh, light bulb moment with Lindsay and then coming back, you know, as a mom and I'm having these spurts of getting mad at my husband and getting mad at my, at my five-year-old for not cleaning up Legos when I'm holding the baby. And I was just like, whoa, whoa. And that's when it's just like that, that green light comes back on. It's like, 
really got to figure out exactly what is going on. So when that, you know, that moment happened, what were the things that you said, okay, I need to change these things. And these are the things I need to do for myself and my family to get this to stop. I need to, I needed to go back to my roots as being an athlete because I feel like that had gone away because I had been a student athlete or an athlete my whole entire life and bringing back in athletics in my life and even to a different degree that competition with myself is something that I um, had to find again and now that I've found that um, it's been a huge change it's uh, I'm definitely not at the point where I want to be but I feel like that my work in progress is um, definitely changing the way that I see my family and seeing my priorities and can now have the career that I want you know have and be able to focus on the, the right things it's interesting that you bring up getting back to being a student athlete because I I still keep close touch with a lot of my alumni and my alumni when they get to be about your age that 30 something when they're starting to go okay new identity another new identity as a as a wife or a professional or a parent and they go, oh my heck, now my sports is really almost non-existent, but that competitiveness doesn't go away. Um, I actually had this conversation with an alumni uh, this past week and they, they missed the athlete side of them. So you said that you've gotten back to it. What are things that you've done to recreate that competitive nature or bring the piece of you as, a, as an athlete back into your adult life? Um, I found an amazing gym community that is feels like a team again. And um, it was a year ago this month, actually, that um, I was having a conversation with my brother and had done the same thing. And he had been in, um, he was never an athlete. And he started working out after um, significant trauma in his life and um, had gone to therapy. And I never really, I see therapy different now because of um, what he had gone through. And um, it was similar for us too. So we were kind of going through that together and seeing just, um, the improvements that he made was really, really inspiring. And I was like, I, and he didn't even say what he was doing. He just, you could tell that something was different. And that's when, um, he wasn't, he wasn't just going around saying like, Oh yeah, I do this now. I do this now. I do this now. And like, look at my muscles. And (laughs) you could just tell that he was healed from the inside out. And I was like, I want to catch whatever he has. And, um, so I found this amazing gym community in our small little town and, um, they have been started out with just kickboxing and just getting there and making a, making a schedule and committing to myself that these are doctor appointments and I wouldn't cancel on the doctor. So why am I going to cancel on myself? When I say that I'm going to go, I'm going to go because now there's also other people counting on me to be there. Um, and sometimes for me, it was just like, I just want to go and see my pals. And that was the workout kind of came second. And then that's when I have, so those are the small steps, making it a doctor's appointment. That has been the line and the game changer. Every time I try to talk myself out of not going. And now that it's been a year, it feels not where I'm at, where I want to be yet, but it's been like, for instance, I couldn't even postpartum lift my legs to do leg raises. And now I can do that with a weight and bench press at the same time. And so like getting back to those small competitive things um, is is just as rewarding as hitting that perfect shot off the tee, which I don't get as much joy anymore because I know that I don't put the practice in. So, you know, it might take 20 golf balls to hit that now (laughs) instead of just a few um, or a bucket to get that one. I definitely feel more like an amateur golfer um, again, which I'm okay with 
and before I wasn't okay with that. So people are always like, well, how can you put the golf clubs down for so long? And it was so much part of you, but it's like, it was a job and it wasn't rewarding and it brought a lot of tension. And I wanted to put those away so that I could then now come back and find it. And my six-year-old's like, when are we going to go hit golf balls? And now it's more rewarding coming back and be able to do that. Well, the other thing too is, is I think as we get older, we find the things in sport that we did love and it may not be the actual sport, right? You know, I always say that I probably could have coached a lot of different things and been happy. I mean, I love my sport. I absolutely love it. It's probably the only thing I really still enjoy watching on TV, but for me, it was the people it's it's been the mentorship. And so I know for me, that's been my focus since I can't train anymore. Um, But I think it's really important when you say make those appointments. Like I know for me, I always put my stuff aside for other people and for me, I know it sounds awful. Oh, I have to have a massage once a week. But for me, it's it's a physical health thing. It's not a I'm going to a spa thing. And some days I'm like, no, no, I need to be working. But you have to stop and do those things that are going to put you in the best positions to be successful, to be good at all your roles. Because once again, you're not just a golfer anymore. You know, you fill so many more roles than when you are a student athlete. And I think as, as athletes, we don't stop and go, what do I need to do to, and I always talk about filling up your bucket or do the things that I need to do to keep that competitive spirit alive. And sometimes it might be, I just need to be challenged in some different way, learning a new skill or, you know, going back to school, those type of things. And for you, I think that was the big challenge. I know just watching you as you've gone back to the gym, it's okay, it's game on again, instead of I'm just doing life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And even looking at um, and being able to set those those times aside for me to be able to do those is what makes me a better wife, makes me a better friend, makes me a better mom, because I can even look back at pictures that I took of um, or family pictures that I took, you know, when Ruby was a baby. And I can remember setting her up for those fall photos, but being, being just so driven, I'm like, come on, let's just get this done. Let's get this done. Look cute. Listen. And I just remember, I can look at that picture and remember all the feelings that I felt instead of just looking at how she is just this cute little girl in her little flannel. Um, but I feel those, the, all that anxiety with that. And that's where I've known that I can, I'm aware of that now. And that's also, you have to stop and listen to your body just as if you were, I mean, I, go back to diet so many times of if you eat something that isn't going to make you feel good or that kind of that hungover feeling being aware of what that was so anxiety is no different is you have to stop and reflect to be able to figure out exactly what is where your body is feeling tense even to just to the fact of taking big deep breaths all the time unconsciously and holding your fists all the time and that's where I just felt like after um I finally recognize that my hands can release and those are small things that even sitting on the couch in high school my mom would be like why are you taking those big deep breaths all the time and I said I don't know my chest just hurts and I thought it was just from hitting too many golf balls or overtraining Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be perfect at what I did and I think athletes can hide those physical signs behind being an athlete because as an athlete, even when you're younger, you still just have the grind on your body, right? And so we can hide a lot of those things or miss signals because our body just is always showing signs of something between, like you said, I've had a doctor say, you probably haven't taken a deep breath in years. And that has nothing to do with anxiety. It's because of all my spine stuff. Now, if I had an anxiety issue, I'd probably go, oh, it's just my back. It's just the way it is. And we, we can ignore those things, right? Yeah. It's really interesting when you describe the pictures uh, with your kiddos because one of the things I see in athletes is we're so outcome focused. And it's funny because I remember so many coaches saying, enjoy the journey, right? And, and even the commercials say, enjoy the journey. And that's a good 
theory and it is the correct one, but that's not really the expectation we put on ourselves or coaches put on us is win the championship, become the all American, do these things. It's so outcome focused. So how did that play into your life even outside of sports? I don't know. That's you didn't have that on the list. <laughs> I, didn't have I know, but you know, you, you you led me perfectly <laughs> when you said that you were looking at the kids, going, "We have to achieve this," instead of being in the moment of enjoying pictures with your kiddos. So, did you see that happening? Some other points in your life that the outcome was more of the focus than just being in the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I related back to that. I wanted to play professional golf. So I said I was going to do it, so I tried to do it, no matter what else came in the way of that or even what it looked like. Was I going to lose things? Was I not going to be able to go to family dinners or whatever because I was trained? And it's, um, I'm not sure how, yeah, you just, I don't know. That's, that's, it's totally outcome focused, but it's because you get I don't know if you get, you get lost in that. You stumped me, dude. Man, I didn't mean to stump you. you know, but, I know. But I, I do think, like you say, you do get lost in what the result is instead of, hey, I'm just going to enjoy playing golf today and I'm going to get better at this one thing at this one time, right? I just remember being so, if I relate it back actually more to that picture, is that I just remember being so sleep deprived. And that was a huge part of how you, your anxiety comes out, right? You're not sleeping. So then you become someone that can't think, that can't function. Why wasn't I sleeping? Well, I just have had a newborn. And, but then again, in college, why wasn't I sleeping? Because I was, you know, training or doing school 18 hours a day. So you get that fog and that's where that outcome is what is, focused on is because in that fog you can only focus on that one target it's kind of like you have the the checkoff list that i i just got to get the list checked off i don't care how it gets done it just got has to get done yeah but sometimes you can be so in that so much in that fog that you don't even know how to write the list down mm-hmm. of what and that's where i was mm-hmm. and that's where i had gotten to mm-hmm. because in college i would i would be able to do that because it was easily in front of you that you had these assignments to do, you had this tournament to prepare for. I knew how to pack my golf bag. I knew how to uh, uh, prepare for assignments and that kind of thing. So I could make that game, that game plan. But to shift that into motherhood and career, no way. And that's where my anxiety totally has spiked and my lack to function spiked because I got anxious about leaving the house. I almost needed like a visual checklist to do like diaper bag, this, this, and this, and this. And we're having conversations with my mom saying, you know, like, sis, this isn't even any different than packing your golf bag. You knew how to do that. I said, but that was like my realm of practice. I did that for so long. This is all new. And I'm way more sleep deprived now than I ever was in my life. So that fog of that is where that, hopefully that answers that question without going that roundabout. No, I think that, I think you're spot on because with that, like you say, when you're a student athlete, you have so many people guiding you where you need to be, you know, put your foot in front of this one. Like there, there's very little uh, getting to choose things for yourself, right? Yeah. And yeah, so, absolutely. and that's one of the things that I hear from athletes all the time is once they leave athletics, whatever it is, it's like, I don't know what to do without the structure. I don't know what to do without coach saying, 
do this, this, and this. So when you go into the real world, it is that anxiety of, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. because I've been told how to do it and when to do it for so long. And I think that is so true when you get into the role of, of parenting and, and professionalism and, and marriage, when you go, I don't have a game plan for this. And so what if I fail at it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's going to have a, a blowout with no diaper bag in the car because mm-hmm. I forgot it mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. that relates back to just being in that straight fog that you literally don't know how to function. And one of the things that, and that goes back to even the self-care and, you know, that you have to do things to help you stay out of the fog, right? Yeah. Whether it be sleep or whether it be exercise or whether it be body work or whether it be meditation, whatever those things are. And we have to implement them in our life because there isn't a coach to implement them for us anymore. And it's not being selfish. It's I need to be the best functioning adult, just like we need to be the best functioning athlete, right? right? It's really no different. But lots of times we look at it as a difference when, when we switch over to that. So, um, when you talk to others about anxiety, what are things that they kind of lead into of, Hey, this is what we struggle with. Well, I was talking to, um, my gym girlfriends about, you know, anticipating that we were going to be doing this and, you know, what were things that, I mean, they're all, there's, it's a big group of, of us that we range from, um, 21 to, you know, almost 50. And some have uh, kiddos, some don't. One is a grandparent. So we all come from like these various differences of life, but we'd be able to can come together and uh, talk about. And I think that what we all agreed is in postpartum or not, athlete or not, nobody talks about it. But why don't we talk about it? Do we not have the skills now as an adult outside of the structure? from athletes you know then so there's just not those skills or is it just something that we just don't focus on but it's something we all when we are all talking about it every single one of us and all those different paths of life have struggled with it or continue to struggle with it um on a daily basis so i think that there's just not um really enough there's not enough conversation starters for people in all of the different fields to be able to talk about it. And I think that it's um, in, it's very specific. Yes, there is something for athletes. Yeah, maybe there is something um, for, for postpartum parents, but they think that postpartum range is only like, you know, six months. Hello, no, six years over here, still trying to, you know, just figure, or just now figuring it out when my oldest was five, when uh, the baby was born. So it's, there's weird stigmatisms of windows that it's supposed to happen. Um, kind of like when you start puberty, you're supposed to start it at this time. You're supposed to get married at this time. You're supposed to do this, this, and this. And there's these uh, windows of what's supposed to happen. And I think then that's where that conversation kind of just gets lost. Yeah, I think so people also think they're just alone, like they don't think everybody else is struggling with it. And so and what you say, everybody is like everybody at some point is struggle with anxiety. And I think one of the other things that I've seen is people are struggle with being vulnerable because that, you know, having that weakness, it's like, okay, if somebody, what is people going to say? Are they going to judge me? What are, how are people going to react to that? And in world of athletics, we don't do vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. not acceptable, right? Right. 
But in the grand scheme of things, every athlete has dealt with anxiety at some point in time. And I know when clients come and just finally dump everything off on the couch at my, in my office, you can see the huge weight off their shoulders. I mean, that's how we met, you know, those white couches in the office. Like, I said, okay. always the always... 1970s white couches. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be honest, that's, that's how I got into my profession is, is people would come sit on my white couches um, in my office and they would talk about life stuff. I mean, I, I had an athlete that was struggling with such severe performance anxiety because the expectation for her team was you will win the national championship or it's a failure. And this kid was the leader of their pack. And to watch this kid put that on herself was unbelievable because everywhere she went, people would say, so you win a national championship, are you going to win a national championship? And that's who she was, not just this kid that happened to play soccer. Right. Right. And that's the thing is, is not being able to talk about it actually impedes performance in every avenue. And, and I think that's what you've seen from being an athlete to professional to even in family anxiety when it's not dealt with impacts us everywhere. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things. Um, So Sarah, I really appreciate uh, all your input and you being vulnerable and, and sharing your story because I think this is the one of the biggest steps is people saying, I struggle with this and I have fought the battle and I'm not afraid to, to share it because I think that's one of the best gifts we can give as, as former student athletes is sharing our stories to best serve you know, future and current student athletes. So I really appreciate this, this insight and the things that you've done to improve your situation and um, I wish you all the luck coming into the next year and raising those two awesome kiddos of yours. Thank you so much. Check out Train the Complete Athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.